the Koi Gig part on Off The Ball. You do get tired of winning. People say, oh, you never get tired. You do. You get tired of winning. You get tired of winning easily. You actually want competition in the end. You want to have to work Subscribe for it. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Welcome along, Joe Malloy with you on this Tuesday evening. So Gab Marcotti will talk to us uh, about the life and times of Silvio Berlusconi. John Gonzalez with us as the Denver Nuggets win the NBA Championship for the first time in the franchise's history. And what's more, Nikola Jokic announces himself as the best player in the league and soon to be in the conversation for best of all time. Plus, a slight tangent gets a fourth outing in a row. We're basically like Limerick. Five in a row next week, but we're only thinking about tonight. One game at a time. Michael McCarthy, hello. Hi, Joe. Richie McCormick, hello. Jen, how are you? Very well. Basically like Limerick, Mick. Going again. Can't see yeah. yeah, yeah. The slight tangent. Totally haven't run out of things to talk about. <laughs> we haven't gone for any John Kiley-esque line- lineup changes or anything like that to keep things fresh and to make sure that everybody's staying hungry and yeah. alert and you know uh, everything else so um, you know let's see let's see how it plays out you know who's a better manager here John Kiley or whoever it is that runs the show not yes. quite sure well, that'd be you would it <laughs> <laughs> debatable we have Gab Marcotti on the way after nine talking Silvio Berlusconi who has passed away at the age of 86 the uh, sporting link being obvious AC Milan owner for 30 plus years five European Cups under his reign and of course a whole lot more than that I had underestimated just how corrupt up to his eyeballs <laughs> Berlusconi was so he was like, always on trial for something wasn't he like well, fingers to his toes well, yeah. I, I mean, you, you, you sort of know I mean it's just obvious yeah but then I think what was uh, so stunning is that in 20 years Berlusconi made 2,500 court appearances he was, what? How uh, is that even possible? Subject to 106 trials in 20 years. Oh my God. There's a quote from him that said, for basically every weekend of his life, it was spent with lawyers prepping for court on the Monday, as well as running a country, a football team, and a media conglomerate. Wow. Busy, busy life. Only one conviction. Lot in. Oh my God. <laughs> Juries of his peers, I'd imagine. He was so close to, I've never been, you know, I've never tested positive. Yeah. So close. I've, um, never, I've never been relegated. Yeah, tax fraud conviction in 2012. At that stage, he was too old to go to prison. So he did community service where he sang for people in uh, nursing homes. He would have been a similar <laughs> age to them, but he just had more verve. That's about how he it. started as well. Yeah, that's like, good that's singer. Apparently, how he started. Like, yeah, he was, he was a he was a singer on cruise ships. That's right. Apparently, that's right. As, as a younger man, um, yeah. like gee, like corrupt as you say, from his fingers to his toes, and a malignant influence on pretty much every sphere of life uh, that he touched. Ah, but he was a but, character, Richie. But but I was just going to say, <laughs> but but what a life, though. Like what? Like there isn't a life lived to that scale that he can really think of in modern terms that touches so many elements and all of them at the peak of what he did. Like it's just like incredible to try and get your head around. And the defend defending case against him will always be that Milan side of the late eighties, early nineties. Like I was going through team photos yesterday when the news broke. I think it was the one like landed on ninety one, ninety two, and. It, we talk about Manchester City squad as being the most in-depth quality from 1 to 11 and even the subs bench. The early 90s Milan squads were obscene in terms of this, the quality that he had amassed there. 
But again, you just can't ignore the fact that he was a uh, slimy, corrupt individual. Yeah. yeah. Well, even just reading various pieces about his life, there's definitely a sense from, uh, I'd say, the majority that he pretty much reopened the door for fascism, for neo-fascism in Italian politics by just making deals with whoever you need to make deals with. That's it, so, yeah. Not out of any kind of... Uh, oh, it's no uh, ideology. Ideology, but more out of a sort of a self-preservation yeah. and, you know, not caring about the no. consequences. What, yeah. How do I need to form a coalition? Yeah. You far-right dudes, in you come. And so that's normalised it. And that's, yeah, one of his really grim political... Uh, legacy. So so that does loom large. But on uh, the Milan ownership, and Gab will explain later on, it does seem as if Berlusconi was unbelievably ahead of his time in almost every area when it came to football. So in the, in, you know, the commercial aspect, he was the first guy who wanted names on the back of jerseys. He was the first really to start talking about a European Super League in a big way. This is so obviously the future. He was the first to do, you know, world tours and, and, and pre-season tours. And they even had their own competition in Milan for a time, one of the summers. And it, but it wasn't just the commercial wing. Unbelievably innovative in terms of preparing a team. Richie mentions the squad depth. That was a big part of his thinking. Innovative when it co- came to uh, sports science. The Milan lab obviously grew out of that. Um, psychologists, all of these things. He bought, and Gab will explain more, he also, because I mean, look, I think his uh, net worth is about 7 billion, he bought a rugby team and a hockey team and one other sport, which escapes me now, and he got Capello to manage those teams for a while Wow! on the assumption that there could be lots learned from other sports, tactically, preparation-wise, and otherwise. So Capello like managed the rugby team for a while. At Berlusconi's asking because you know <laughs> I own the rugby team as well. So like like it does seem for that period before he became prime minister in 1994, and he bought Milan in '86. Uh, you know before the 106 trial started, and he was very focused on uh, Milan. He was kind of you know did a hell of a job. He was ahead of the football world on. He was ahead front. of the media. He was ahead of the media world. Like look, look at how he made a lot of his money. It was it was in property initially, and then he transferred into providing TV almost closed circuit to the apartment blocks that he built himself. So that for the time, especially in a country like Italy, is like miles ahead of what people in the UK and particularly in the US were doing. And he was able to build his fortune on that and create networks um, among the first independent networks, I think, in Italy in terms of television and well, obviously gain the money that would go along with that and, and feed it back into the football team. So well, just, like, he, he was corrupt, but an incredible forward thinker. Well, indeed. And, and on the TV front, now you'll be surprised to hear this, Richie, he bent some rules here as well. No, he was involved in piracy as well on TV, wasn't he? Uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the neighbouring countries, he took in some of their good stuff. But yeah. in, in effect, as a last point in Berlusconi, because Gab Marcotti's on later, so I think uh, we're just a pale imitation. But the uh, law at the time where he was getting to, into media was there is no commercial national television. So it's very much state run at national level. At local level, yeah, there's an allowance for uh, commercial stations. So he slowly but surely, starting off in Milan, bought local stations around the country. Pretty soon owned most, if not all, of the local stations around the country <laughs> and showed exactly the same thing at exactly the same time on every local station around the country and then made an absolute fortune out of selling uh, advertising yeah. in that way. That's so, so interesting. Uh, so they became de facto national yeah. it's funny That's a, there's a lot of that going on in America with news at the moment now. it's not commercial it's more that it's uh, spreading 
certain ideologies, but it's in the same idea, whereas like local news is run by the same company constantly and suddenly your local channel that you've been watching the news on all your life has right-wing news every night. Yeah. And uh, yeah, imagine, like it, it just shows you like everything you can think of has sort of already been done by Berlusconi. The football, can I just quickly just go back to football for a sec before we finish? Like, it is interesting that you say you became Prime Minister in 94 for mm-hmm. the first time and I don't think I realised that because think of the culmination of that great Milan team was their 4-0 win over Barcelona in the Champions League final in 94. They were never quite the same again. Obviously, they lost the Ajax the following year and then they were gone on for a while and they were never great again I would say you know and that was you know I'd imagine running the country Mm. into the ground uh, probably had something to do with the fact that if he was so involved and so innovative they might have missed them yeah. as being, you know, such such a big part of it. But that yeah. that Milan team that Richie's talking about, like I tweeted when Teddy McCarthy died last week. That was like my first two sporting heroes I can remember were Teddy McCarthy and Marco Van Basten, and that's because I had a Van Basten jersey with his name on it, Joe. Oh, even though I don't know if it was like even no, I don't think they were doing months. at the time. Yeah. But obviously they were selling the knockoffs or whatever. But uh, had that jersey and like I love that Milan team. That's the first football team I fell in love with, you know. And it's obvious why. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were just so, so exceptional. Um, it's remarkable to think that this guy, who, as Richie said, had a malignant, probably, influence overall mm. on the world, Yeah, you know, brought such beauty to the football world in many ways. Yeah. Uh, lots of nice tributes for him as well. Yeah, we described as a great statesman and visionary and also a dear person and true friend. Uh, said the Russian embassy and Vladimir Putin. So, you know. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. There is that. There is that. It, it's not all bad. Uh, we should get uh, moving on then before the clock does come against us. Newsround is brought to you with Let Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night edition is available now. So the uh, Kylian Mbappe situation, very interesting. Yeah, he's described rumours linking him with a move to Real Madrid this summer as lies. The 24-year-old has opted not to renew his current deal at Paris Saint-Germain, informing the club of such uh, this week, meaning he can leave for free next summer. But in response to a tweet from Le Parisien claiming he could join Real this summer, Mbappe said that was untrue and that he was happy to remain at PSG for next season. Like, At what point do we say Mbappe has just wasted the last I know. three years? Three years, certainly, if not more, of his career. We're just not seeing him. Like, you know, there's something almost throwback about it in a way, isn't there? Like, you know, it's like uh, you see him at a World Cup or whatever in the Champions League quarterfinal. Yeah. But it's like, I'm never going to watch Saint-Germain like Liga, no matter who's in that league, you know I, what I mean? I had the experience uh, pre-World Cup when Haaland arrived and was just doing his thing at City of saying, well, he's obviously the best player in the world. And then during the World Cup, I said, oh, sorry, yeah. it's actually Mbappe. And now the, the memory of that has faded and I'm swinging back towards uh, Haaland. It's just a complete waste. I understand the logic of hanging on and, I don't know, I guess he's going to bag an extra 200 million personally for leaving on a free. Mm. But then you're 25. I mean, he's really dragged this out. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's Again, like, I mean, he's got a long career ahead of him and it's not as if he's achieving... I suppose. Does he have a lot? Like he's not going to be as good in his thirties. Yeah, he's because he's so such a speed merchant. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it is. It is fascinating. I I would like him to move. I have to say, but to Real Madrid is is such a funny one to me because I'm hearing this and it's like Jesus Christ. Every June I've ever set in here, it's like Real Madrid are putting <laughs> out the checkbook for the big, for the best player in the world. It's like it must be. It's this incredible thing that the Premier League is taking over, and we can consistently talk about that. But the one constant in football is the fact that Real Madrid will always sign three of the biggest players in the world every summer yeah. <laughs> you know it's yeah. like right they've, all, they've just got Jude Bellingham right that's their future sorted so what we do now we'll go out and buy Mbappe as well while we're at it you know 
Harry Kane. Harry Kane. What's Harry Kane thinking right now? So one year left in his contract. Yep. Double check that. One year left. He's into his final year. He can also leave in a free next year or he can go this year. So it's a case of whether Levy wants to cash in. The Sunday Times at the weekend said that the move to Manchester United is pretty much off. off yeah. Done. Uh, Levy's shown zero interest or inclination to negotiate, which of course could be a negotiating tactic, I grant you, but uh, mm. that's where we are. Very Roman Roy of you. Yes, indeed. See, I know all the tricks. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, you man. and Daniel Levy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I think it's probably leaning for more towards him staying. I think this time two years ago, through back channels we very much knew how Harry Kane felt Yeah. whereas it doesn't seem as obvious this time I wonder is he just content to stay and then he can go to Manchester United Spurs can't do anything about it whereas Spurs have his uh, destiny in their hands at the moment really if he is to leave it depends I suppose as well where Real Madrid might want to play Mbappe by his own admission he prefers well, he, being on the he left. said it was lies so well okay I don't know yeah again I see through some of this stuff Mick. don't worry about me so like he has said by his own admission he preferred playing on the left hand side yeah one wouldn't be shocked if Vinicius Jr. wants the hell out of there that's a straight swap and so they still have a Benzema sized hole for Harry Kane yeah. so um, it's it's not necessarily off Marcotti and Berlusconi now that is brilliant to hear says David and Ashburn yes it's on the way after nine o'clock uh, Rich there is news for uh, well Hero from uh the game against Scotland yeah a couple of Irish players securing their futures today Republic of Ireland striker Amber Barrett has a new club she's signed for Standard Liège having spent the past four seasons in Germany meanwhile Barrett's international teammate Niamh Fahey has signed a contract extension at Liverpool Fahey is of course Liverpool's captain and has made 106 appearances for the club to date meanwhile uh, Liverpool's men's side today confirming the fullback Calvin Ramsey is going to spend next season on loan at Preston uh, your next story kind of low-key build-up in some ways we yeah. are three days out from in many respects the defining game of uh, potentially Stephen Kenny's year yeah and Mark Travers is the only injury concern for Stephen Kenny ahead of their trip to Athens the Bournemouth goalkeeper missed this morning's training session in Turkey due to illness the Ireland squad will travel to Greece tomorrow ahead of Friday's Euro 2024 qualifier just check the temperature in Athens care to guess 28 23 now at this so, time of evening though yes yeah, so it's nine o'clock yeah okay well this is when we'll be paying I suppose it's sure true. it's hotter here yeah exactly yeah yeah this is a cool weather camp for the Irish uh, does this have sticky one all draw written all over it oh I don't know like we need to win but I don't think we've any right to expect to win yes you know so I'm I'm so wary of it I've hated the, I've hated this match for everything about it since the fixtures were posted it's the wrong time of year in loads of different ways more like does anyone remember like the last like it's about six months since most of these lads have played a game? Mm. The championship has been over. It feels like next season. Do you know what I mean? It's it's I weird to even think that there's still more football to happen this year. Yeah. Like you know, I do have a memory of Josh Cullen on a balcony lifting a Player of the Year trophy. What feels about three months ago? Yeah. Oh, it's a long time. Like I mean, Dan is Dan was talking about it in here. Like you know, the 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 majority of championship players that weren't in the playoffs. You know, and that includes really important players like John Egan and Josh Cullen, who got promoted, have been finished for a long time. And also, those teams got promoted early, which means that they haven't even had anything to play for mm. for another month on top of that as well. You know, so yeah, that plus the fact that it's a summer, plus it's a away game, must win against a team who could be good for all we know. That's the other thing about Greece. <laughs> yeah. You know, what? they've been known to come out of the doldrums pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, 
well, we'll talk about it with Dan on tomorrow's show in a bit more depth. They're flying from Turkey to Athens today, I think. The Possibly, team. yeah. I know they've been training in Turkey. Yeah. John on YouTube, lads, the sun is out. A slight tangents on the way at eight o'clock. The life, he says. Oh, yeah. Out the back, sipping a... Sipping a Beverage. Apple-flavoured beverage, possibly, yeah. Uh, Craig and Cork. Lads, a possible tangent topic. Manchester United fan. Mighty conflicted about this probable Qatar takeover. But oh, when I you can't. I need, oh, we're, sorry, we're not talking about this. I'm so <laughs> sick of it. Uh, he says, though, but when you see Mbappe being linked, God almighty, it's so exciting. I don't know what to think, really. <laughs> I think you've answered the question, Craig. Oh, I have a feeling you'll get over it. Yeah. That'd be a real tester for any Manchester United misgivings. Imagine the fans out there protesting, Richie, and then out walks, uh, I don't know, whoever talks to the fans now and says, we've just signed Mbappe. Yeah, that's all dependent on the Glazers not sending another deadline. I think they're 16th uh, for new bids from Mr. Radcliffe and Sheikh Jassim in the next couple of weeks. I, I can't think of a saga process that have been any more disconnected with than that it's just I, like, so I, 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 yeah. it's ridiculously ridiculously tedious at this stage and yeah. I'd say it's probably sort of the frustration of United fans because they want some clarity going into the transfer window and the best that they've been linked with so far is Mason Mount but it's also United fans like making out that you know oh it's terrible like Qatar and all that it's not great but like you don't understand what the Glazers have done to us in the same way as like uh, Newcastle Ashley. fans were like that about Mike Ashley it's literally the exact same you know it's like you don't really understand this you know they're the bad guys you know come on, give me a break Ooh, uh, I wasn't going to curse there by the way that was an uh, unfortunate uh, sound Excel. <laughs> Lord knows we've talked about it all way too much uh, next story then so uh, Armagh are pushing hard here. Yeah, they're attempting to get Rian O'Neill cleared to play in Sunday's football championship clash with Galway. The cross McGlen forward was shown a red card in the recent Group 2 defeat to Tyrone after his knee appeared to make contact with the head of Cormac Quinn. Armagh, of course, pleaded innocence and they'll put their case tonight to the CCCC. I didn't see this incident. I missed it like, with everything. The, so, Richie might know more than I did, but the, for me, I did see the incident and, like, it looks bad, but I will say he might get off because... It's not the greatest camera shot of all time. It's quite distant. And maybe they won't be able to, you know, there'll be a, there'll be some deniability. But, I mean, if he did what he looks like he he did, then it was a red card and he deserves to be banned, you know? So, I don't know. And People are going to argue how, it both ways. How do they decide if he meant it? Well, maybe they'll do, maybe he'll say that the camera's too far away and it's deceptive and actually what happened was I, you know, was just getting my balance back and... Yeah, my knee happened to go and there was no force or whatever fair enough uh, texting lads uh, seven years ago since Wes against Sweden uh, oh is it yeah, I retweeted it earlier great day. Uh, should have won though what a great finish classic well. Ireland result like, like a great finish Seamus Coleman very underrated part of that goal obviously yeah. as well you know um, but watching, yeah Wes oh my god I'm watching it here on my Twitter feed yeah Coleman man beats him out twice and then it's just so clean yeah you know but he also just like he was the only Irish player that like you trusted had the composure for that moment as well you know nothing was ever too big for him yeah. god I miss Wes yeah it was a real uh, <laughs> I don't miss arguing whether he should be in the team constantly no. either <laughs> it was so deserved I mean it's worth a, it's got to be worth 20 caps you would trade 20 caps against you ah, know yeah. Georgia in October for that moment so that makes me feel better about his overall tally which is yeah still a disgrace <laughs> Uh, the, <laughs> the venom in that was. Uh, it is though. It's it's one of the great 
frustrations I'd have over the last however many years in Irish sport. Um, I don't yeah. want to get into it again. We've, we've, we're all in agreement on that. <laughs> he was born 10 years too early. Yeah. Is the truth, and isn't in it? in the wrong country. <laughs> Banana Republic. Uh, it should have been Spanish. <laughs> Jay Monaghan's been doing his best, Richie, to... Well, I don't oh, know what really. This guy again. This is, this is, this is yeah. a news round full of characters I don't care to talk about. Yeah. It's yeah. ruining... Imagine DJ you're out having trying to have a drink in the back garden listening to all this. Monaghan, <laughs> Berlusconi. Yeah. Keep, keep listening, obviously. Qatar. Yeah. Qatar, yeah. PJ Tour Commissioner Jay Monaghan claims a lack of support from US lawmakers forced the tour into the arms of Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. He's been responding to questioning from US Senator Richard Blumenthal, who's written to both Monaghan and his live equivalent, uh, Greg Norman. Senator Blumenthal says the Saudi buyout of men's golf raises serious questions regarding the Saudi government's involvement. In response, Monaghan claims the PGA Tour were left to fend off the PIF on their own due to America's complex geopolitical alliance with Saudi Arabia. Well, there's nothing complex about it. Um, what did he want uh, money the, the government to do money in uh, in terms of uh, fighting against live in the first place yeah it's a yeah, free market what, yeah. like, they can't just step in and say no yeah I don't um, know maybe there's some sort of protection you can have for sports governing bodies but I don't see how that would stand up in any court yeah one of the great tweets when all this broke last week was from Chris Murphy who's a Democratic senator. Yeah. And he said, it's so weird. PGA officials, he doesn't say if it was Jay Monaghan or not, but I'm presuming. Uh, PGA officials were in my office just months ago talking about how the Saudis' human rights record should disqualify them from having a stake in major American sport. I guess maybe their concerns weren't really about human rights, uh, which the world jumped on fairly quickly and loved. Yeah. Um, so Greg Norman was at this as well, Rich. He's back. Well, it was basically Blumenthal has written to both parties uh, in an official capacity because he heads one of the subcommittees um, that would obviously take care of uh, questionable dealings like that uh, that would take place in US soil. So he's looked for responses from both and I think Politico got hold of Monaghan's letter to Senator Blumenthal and they recounted the the contents of it there today. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what Norman's response uh, is like if there is one at all or if he is actually still employed because that's been a fairly quiet uh, marker from Liv since this all broke last week. Uh, Monaghan interestingly claiming that, again, that this isn't a merger, that uh, PIF are a minority investor in what is a, a larger group. But I think the press release that everybody got uh, last week was that they're merging. I think it said the, the word merge, yeah, yeah. It did, yeah, 100% said the word merger, and yet he's claiming to to all and sundry and to his um, heads of state that it's not necessarily so. So The more I read about it, the more I listen to people in the know, it's a mess. They don't actually know what it is. I think the sense is they were rumbled and have gone early with this because it was about to break, so they don't know what they're doing. Like, it's back of a, you know, a, a packet. Pack yeah. Much, yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, ladies' golf... Not untouched by all this, yeah. Leona Maguire is to play at the Saudi-funded Aramco Team Series next month in London. The tournament again funded by the Public Investment Fund. The Cavan Golfer and World Number 4 Nelly Corda are two of the headline golfers booked to play the team event at the Centurion Club. Maguire has participated in Saudi Arabia this year and at a PIF-funded event in New York last year. In many ways, uh, lady, we talked about this on the show and we've pointed out, like, if you're going to criticise the male players, then yeah. you have to criticise the female players, Leona Maguire included, if your criticism is that they shouldn't have anything to do with Saudi money. Um, ladies Golf has been pretty much bought by Aramco for several years now. Yeah. And Ladies Golf is in no position to turn down money, is their predicament. So 
it's been an easy uh, takeover on that on I, that front. I don't have a strong like take on this, but there is a difference, right, between the Saudi investment fund um, hosting a tournament and them owning the sport or owning a football club as the case may be. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're just a very different thing because the Saudi Investment Fund, as we know, is Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So, you know, states shouldn't own, you know, clubs or governing bodies, etc. But I don't know if you can make that case for them, like, hosting tournaments or whatever, if, like, again, as Paul Carrington would point out, as many would point out, you know, states all over the world do business yeah. with them. And, you know... Um, there's so much of them wrapped up in every basically Western economy, you know. So, I, I that's not to say it's excusable or not excusable. I just do feel like that they're apples and oranges. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just so sick of talking about it. Sorry. Yeah, as am I. Um, U.S. Opens on this week. I was looking at Los Angeles Country Club where this is on. It's the first time. Oh, it's a West Coast one. Oh, yeah, it it finished too late on the Sunday night. I'd say finished too late, bloody every night, Mick. You'd be looking at two or three a.m. I'd say. Maybe a bit earlier, earlier on the Sunday, oh, but it's no. it's not good. It's not good. But I was looking Los Angeles Country Club, which is right in the heart of like uh, I mean, you'll see the the skyscrapers in the background. I mean, it must be some of the most expensive real estate a golf club is on. I think the Playboy Mansion is right beside the 14 tee. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> right. it's weird. So just a lot going on around the area. Uh, but it is a, an amazing course. Like, I'd be super excited about this. It's going to be a great tournament. We have the groupings. Yeah, we do. And Rory McIlroy has been grouped with the PGA Championship winner Brooks Kepka and Hideki Matsuyama for the first two rounds of the US Open. They'll be among the later starters at the Los Angeles Country Club on Thursday, teeing off just before 10pm Irish time. Shane Lowry, meanwhile, is partnered by Tommy Fleetwood and Justin Thomas for the first two rounds. And Seamus Power will play with Ryan Fox and the Belfast amateur Matt McLean. Um, give us a last story or two, Rich. Uh, Ireland's cricketers began their World Cup qualifier preparations with a win today. Harry Tector's knock of 149 from just 123 deliveries helped them beat the USA in Bulawayo by five wickets. Next up for Ireland, a meeting with the Netherlands on Thursday and tying in with an element of the show. Later, Denver Nuggets won the NBA championship for the very first time last night. They beat Miami Heat 94 points to 89 in game five of the finals, clinching a 4-1 series victory. And Nikola Jokic scored 28 points, earning the finals MVP trophy uh, what happens when the Saudis come for Golf Weekly Joe will you be the last angry man <laughs> Joe <laughs> me in and like Flynn very fair question it is a conversation we've, ha- we've had on Golf Weekly several times like if anyone came and offered you life changing money you'd be a complete hypocrite and think about it it's just the reality everybody would have their price there's no point pretending otherwise like it's, it'd be really naive and disingenuous to say well look at these sports people aren't they terrible and not pretend if someone said, we'll give you a five-year deal. Richie, we're going to offer you two million a year to come and commentate on the new golf league. Five-year deal, tax-free. Like, Richie, boy. It's not even a conversation. It's not boy, a conversation. are those Canyoneros roomy, Richie? Once, uh, <laughs> he drove a dump truck of money up to my house. Yeah, I'm not made of stone. It's not a conversation. It's not a conversation. And we even, but to be fair, and I, I think it does apply to the um, ladies' golf in particular, but we would have said it about a lot of the male golfers going over to play on live or on even even the Saudi Open before that if you're um, you know like run of the mill tour pro thinking about the next 40-50 years of your life and it's life changing money like who's anyone to say you're a disgrace you know so there um, there is an element where we always do blame the kind of like the 
the person at the bottom as opposed to like you know like Tom Monaghan types you know Jay as Monaghan. opposed to the person who's going to like the system is the system yeah but even Jay, Jay Monaghan had no choice ultimately it was do it now or do it later no fine but it's the people who are like inviting you know Saudis into the entire thing maybe it's states you know and then it's like right well you don't take their money but this is the system we live in you know so. yeah I know but then like where do you draw the line are you going to pay them for their oil do you like that heating in your house? <laughs> you know? Not right now. I'm saying it's hopeless, everyone. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we got we got to move past oil, Joe. Um, well, that's true. That's true. We've got to build wind farms. With our, uh, I was listening to that this morning. You know, we've got to use here. our massive budget surplus and build the greatest wind farms in the world. That's oh, yeah. What, that's what we, be self-sufficient. Yeah. Well, that, well, the Saudis are trying to move past oil. That's what all this is about as well. Got to move on. Honestly, I'm boring myself. It's just <laughs> the worst. Um, what better way to heat the world than golf? Let's talk about Jokic. Uh, yes, NBA chat is on the way. Richie, thank you. Nice and lads. Michael, thanks, Mel. Thanks.